check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Adi Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. We'll start in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of All Steelers Talk, part of allsteelers.com. I'm your host, Noah Strackbine, joined always by Donnie Droon. Donnie, it's probably the most boring time of the offseason, I would say. Rookie minicamp just ended. OTAs probably won't be a thing in Pittsburgh. And the mandatory minicamp isn't until June. So we have probably about three to four weeks before anything exciting is happening in the football world again. But there's still a lot to talk about. And we're going to start off with the rookie of the year, Najee Harris, his odds for rookie of the year, actually, and how he looks to play a role in Matt Canada's offense. He, along with Kedrick Green and Pat Fryermuth, gave a little bit of an insight into what we should expect from Canada's offense. What do you take away from it? What do you expect? What are Najee's rookie of the year odds? Yeah, um, you know, I think just speaking on, uh, you know, going from Najee to Matt Canada, um, you know, currently his odds on the bet online are plus 1,000. Uh, that brings him tied for as the sixth highest odds um, for any rookie heading into the 2021 season. Um, Who's so above not really, Najee Harris? I'm sorry? Who's above Najee Harris? Um, Who's Lawrence six people above? There. Trevor Lawrence is up there. I know, uh, I think Mac Jones isn't. I know he... Najee's tied with Kyle Pitts. I, I know that for sure. Um, got to be Jamar Chase. Has got to be yeah. Jamar Chase is up there for sure. Trevor Lawrence, um, Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. yeah, man, put me on the spot. Look at that, dude. Uh, but <laughs> I, I know for sure off the top of my head that you know Najee is tied for six. At least the last time I looked, um, whenever I wrote the article last week. Let's see about it. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence at plus 350, Trey Lance at plus 650, Justin Fields at plus 700, Mac Jones at plus 750, and Jamar Chase at plus 800. Mac Jones. Mac Jones is might not even start. Might Might, not even start. What do you mean might not even start? There's no way he's walking into New England and starting week one uh, over Cam Newton. That's not happening. (laughs) I don't know how Mac Jones is above. I could get the rest of them, even though I really don't, but. Uh, Mac Jones blows my mind, but all right. Najee Harris at plus a thousand. Mac Hanna's offense. How are you feeling about it? Dude, I kind of like it. I really like that bang for the buck, man. And you know, we even just going into what Najee and Pat said about Mac Hanna's offense. You know, it, it's not going to be a, a one trick pony kind of thing. They are going to utilize Najee Harris in both the passing and the running game. I, I believe I read from your work that Najee was getting a little bit of reps at receiver, um, or at least lining up. Um, in some sort of facet in the passing game. So they're they're dead set on using Najee every way they can. And, you know, taking running back to 24th overall pick, I would certainly hope so. But, you know, a lot of people held Najee as the best all-around running back and, you know, coming into the draft. And just landing on a team, you know, like the Steelers, a team who are definitely going to look to, you know, um, reestablish their running game identity in 2021. And, you know, they have a new bright young mind in Matt Cannon to help lead that front. Um, so I, I like those odds, man. I, does he win it? I'm not super sure. He's going to have to have a really good season. Yeah. But man, like compared to those other guys, uh, you know, just if you're trying to lay down a couple bucks, I absolutely like the value for that. 
Oh, I love the value for Najee at a thousand. I mean, I, I could see everybody but Mac Jones pulling it off. When it comes to his role in the offense, I think that goes a long way in the whole, you know, circle of things here because I do expect him to play a little bit of wide receiver. I do expect him to line up in the slot a lot, actually. And what Pat Fryermuth was saying is that the Steelers are going to use a lot of motion. A lot of pre-snap motion, which is huge. You can move chess pieces around. That's where guys like Ray Ray McLeod is going to get involved real heavy. That's where Najee is going to be utilized more in like a Kansas City type offense than a regular Steelers RPO styled offense. It can also open the door for guys like Anthony McFarland. I don't really know where Benny Snell fits into a motion style offense, but it is what it is. It's just it's good to see that it's getting creative. The Steelers yeah. are finally looking at things, at least first glance, from what we're saying, and they're going to line people up where they're best uh, needed. They're going to move fast, but not short fast, if that makes any sense. It's simple but complex. That's what Pat Fryermuth kept saying, simple but, but complex, and I think that goes a long way. The transition's got to be smooth, you know what I mean? Ben's going to hold it back because Ben's stuck in one way. The rest of the offense is trying to learn a new way, so it's got to be simple but complex. I think Matt Canada's offense works perfectly as of we know as we know right now. What do you what do you expect out of the rest of the rookies from what you saw at rookie minicamp? You know, it's going to be a whole lot of things because, you know, outside of uh, Najee and Pat Fryermuth, who, you know, even so, you know, he's not exactly tied in one in Pittsburgh quite yet. Eric Ebron is still there. And Eric mm-hmm. Ebron still looks to be a big part of that offense in 2021. After them, it kind of gets a little bit shaky. Kendrick Green, you know, everybody's talking about him potentially starting as a center. I'm not quite sure that the Steelers are willing, at least right now in late May, they're willing to hand a rookie job over you know, guys like J.C. Hasnauer and B.J. Feeney, two veterans who they've seen play at that position before. Uh, but, you know, hopefully time will tell. I think we all think very highly of Kendrick Green and what he brings to the table. But it's just a matter of him anchoring down and, you know, kind of assuming all of those responsibilities before the season. After that, though, um, it does get kind of – I don't want to say shaky, but, um, you know, I, I don't see a guy like Isaiah Loudermilk making no. a huge difference in his first year. You know, I, I don't see – um, you know, any of the Texas A&M guys making a big difference in their first year. And, you know, I, I think all of those picks were just to sure up the depth. But, you know, th- I think it's easy to say that guys look really good in, you know, rookie main camp where there's no pads. You know, it's just them kind of working out. But I, I think whenever training camp and the preseason rolls around, we'll start to get a better idea of what those guys actually look like. Yeah, no doubt. And the guy that I, I was kind of waiting for you to say that I thought you were going to throw out there is maybe he might have a role as Quincy Roche. And yeah. I honestly think that could go out the door. I think that when you, I think a week ago, you looked at it and you said it's him and Cassius Marsh, not great, but Quincy could probably have a role, play a big impact as a rookie, kind of like Alex Highsmith did. And then Ryan Kerrigan gets signed to the Eagles. The Steelers are linked to a, guy, a team that was interested in Kerrigan. Now you got to start thinking, are they going to bring in a veteran? Are they going to bring in Anthony Ciccolo or, you know, J. Ron Elliott? What are they going to do at outside linebacker? Because apparently they're not satisfied. Yeah, I definitely think they're looking for, you know, that veteran presence. And I was waiting for you to bring up a guy uh, mm-hmm. like Ryan Kerrigan because, indeed, the Steelers were linked to him. So that kind of shows you they're not quite satisfied with their depth at outside linebacker. And I don't think they should be because outside mm-hmm. of Quincy Roche, who, you know, hasn't played a single staff in the NFL. There's really not a whole ton of depth there. So, you know, had they been able to land a guy like Kerrigan or, you know, maybe another cheap veteran, that wouldn't be a bad move at all. And the Steelers still have a, you know, a little bit of cap space to, you know, wheel and deal for, you know, a guy, a veteran guy, excuse me, 
um, that can go in and at minimum provide some depth behind TJ and Alex Highsmith. Yeah, all the time. And I think that Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, their names that people keep bringing up. I could see it. Yes. At the same time, last year, Justin Houston's cap hit was $9 million and he had eight sacks. So it's hard to say, oh, you're going to take a $3 million cap hit this or uh, uh, cut this year just to play back up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I don't really know if that's suited for him. Melvin Ingram, maybe, but injuries concerning, obviously. And then you go back to J. Ron Elliott, Anthony Ciccolo. I don't want either of them on the field. But if I had to pick, I guess J. Ron Elliott didn't play terribly last season when called upon. So, you, you know, you bring him back, he plays well on special teams. I don't know, but I do expect the Steelers to definitely make a move at, at edge rusher. I think I actually – I talked about this the other day. The Steelers – if I expect them to do three more things this offseason, it's to sign a veteran ed- edge rusher at one point this season. T.J. Watt's probably going to get his big deal. I would just imagine that that happens this year and not next year. And a guy like Josh Dobbs or Jalen Samuels or maybe even Zach Gentry, I could see him uh, them on their way out, at least one of them, just to get like another either another uh, draft pick next season or to free up some cap space, something. But the Steelers love to wheel and deal their fourth and fifth round picks, and then those extra pieces come June, July. I could see all three of those things happening at this point moving forward. Yeah, most definitely. You know, let's talk about it. I think it, the Steelers, you know, their their identity and free agency. If they need to, you know, plug in someone into a depth chart, it's going to be a guy they're already familiar with and a veteran mm-hmm. guy at that. You know, they're they are suckers for bringing back guys who know their systems. And you know, if they brought back a guy like Elliot or Chicola, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Do I hope so? I'd absolutely not. I, you know, I, I don't want to see any of those guys playing in a you know big capacity at all in 2021. Um, granted, you know, they would only be signed for death purposes, but, you know, we've seen injuries plague the Steelers once more and we'll, you know, we'll probably see it again sometime yep. there in the future. As, you know, as far as guys like Dobbs or, you know, um, you know, blanking on his name, Samuels or uh, even Zach Gentry, you know, I think if they were able to even get a fourth or fifth round pick for any of those guys, oh, I yeah. think that'd be, that, you know, that'd be a phenomenal but I mean, call it like you see it. You know, the the Steelers, like you said, don't really place high value on those fourth, fifth round picks. I mean, we've seen them time and time again, just kind of throw them in trades. You know, as trade bait, they were willing to give up a fourth round pick in the twenty twenty two draft to move up into the fifth round of this year's draft. Which kind of shows you that they don't really value um, those mid round picks quite essentially well. Granted, are they going to get a comp pick next year? Yeah, absolutely. Probably. You know, looking at a third round pick for Bud Dupree and everybody else who left. But at the end of the day, you know, um, Kevin Colbert is, uh, you know, not a rookie at this kind of thing. You know, he's been doing this for over two decades now. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, you got to trust Colbert and what he's doing. And for the most part, I think those trades have worked out pretty well, at least in a, a one year capsule. Yeah, they all, they all tend to work out. And the thing with Josh Dobbs and Jalen Samuels is that the Steelers could wheel and deal their fourth and fifth round picks because those guys go for fourth and fifth round picks. You know, you could get rid of Dobbs. You could get rid of Samuels for fourth or fifth round pick this season and probably walk away without losing anything. It's not – I've said this time and time again that Jalen Samuels no longer has a role in Pittsburgh. I think that's pretty much done. Josh Dobbs is going to end up on the practice squad if he doesn't end up somewhere else. And Zach Entry is probably never going to see the field except for a spe- except for on special teams. So there's really no point in keeping any of them around. And if you could go get your fourth-round pick before you bank on a comp pick next season, you just made up for Isaiah Loudermilk, who will play no role this season. 
at all. When we come back, are the Steelers Super Bowl contenders? Because at this point, if the last ride isn't ride or die, what's the point? We'll talk about that and Troy Palomalu's Hall of Fame presenter selection next on All Steelers Talk. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Adi Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Are the Steelers Super Bowl contenders? At this point, that is the biggest question anybody in Pittsburgh wants to know. It's the only question the Steelers want to know. Cam Hayward said it the other day on NFL Network that it doesn't matter who's AFC North champs as long as somebody wins a Super Bowl. Okay. Can the Steelers do it? This is Ben's last ride. Are the Steelers Super Bowl contenders? I think what you said before we went to break really resonates because if they're not, Super Bowl contenders, what are we doing to Ben? You know, what, mm-hmm. why, why is Ben still playing? Why did Ben Roethlisberger take a pay cut and come back? I, I think if you look at the pieces they lost, and I think if you look at the pieces they added, I can't sit here and say the Steelers got significantly better over the offseason. I can't. I, I, I just can't do that. Did they remain kind of like in the same boat that they were heading into last year? Yeah, I think so. I still think they have – um, a top three defense in the league. You know, you still, for what it's worth, have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, you still have a very young, talented receiving core. The only thing that really worries me is a offensive line that played horrible last year. They lost three of its five starters, and there's a big youth movement going, you know, across the offensive line, and we'll see how those young guys react. Um, you know, granted, Najee Harris was, you know, a very good pickup for the Steelers in terms of the running and hopefully the receiving game, but there's a lot of unknowns, especially with Matt Canada. I know there's a lot of hype around him and the good things he can do. We still haven't seen him fully take over the reins as an offensive coordinator. You know, we haven't seen what his play calling is like or any of that kind of stuff. I don't know, man. I think looking at last year and how the Steelers kind of fell apart throughout the, you know, stretch, the end stretch of the season, I'm not super sure they'd be able to walk into Buffalo and pull out a win. I'm not sure they could walk into Kansas City and pull out a win. I'm just not sure, man. I, I I don't think they're right up there with the heavyweights at AFC right now, and I'm not so sure I can sell myself on them being Super Bowl contenders. So I think they can compete for a AFC divisional title. I absolutely do, and I absolutely hope they will. Uh, but, you know, when talking about bringing home another Lombardi trophy, which is a yearly expectation for the Steelers, no matter who's on the team, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. So here's my thing. I agree. And I, I think it's impossible to argue the other way. You can't say, oh, the Steelers fixed all their needs and they're going to be an 11-0 and team again this season and they're just going to they, – they're top tier. They're not. At this point, they're probably second in the AFC North talent-wise. They're nowhere near the top of the AFC. But 
when it comes to contending, that's that's a big question. It's a loaded question. For one, you don't have to play Tennessee, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Cleveland in a playoff stretch. Most times, you're going to get whacked with one or two very hard games, and chances are you'll end up with a team that you don't mind playing in the first round. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky, the divisional round. Say the Steelers win the AFC North. They get an easy wild card game. Boom. They're moving on up. At that point, they're probably not going to play Kansas City, who would be my favorite to win the AFC again until proven otherwise. Yep. So chances are there goes one heavyweight game. And if somebody gets knocked out, I mean, the Steelers have done this before. You know, remember the years when Tennessee was the team to beat and Baltimore was the team to beat. And then Baltimore were going to the playoffs and knock out Tennessee and the Steelers ended up in the Super Bowl. That's how this works. You know, you just kind of there's a there's a luck factor that goes into being a Super Bowl contender. Do yeah, I think 100%. that they could do I think they could win enough times to make it to a Super Bowl? Yeah. I don't know if they're going to ever have an, uh, are the ability to beat a team like Tampa Bay or Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers decides to say maybe they could beat Seattle, maybe they could beat the Niners. I don't know though. I I just I, don't. I don't know if that that's a question or if that's realistic. I think it's all about getting hot at the right time. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I I think part, it, at least a small part of why we saw the Steelers exit early in the playoffs last year was they they kind of cooled off there. You mm-hmm. know, at the end of the regular season, I, I don't think there's any debating that. I mean, we're looking at a team that started eleven and zero, and then ended up kind of you know squeaking by you know, into the playoffs. Granted, they, they did win their division, but, you know, it, it went down right to the wire for even that divisional race. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, th- th- I'm looking at their final six games for the 2020 season right now. You host Baltimore. You're then on the road at Minnesota. You come back home. You face the Titans. Then you're on the road at Kansas City, come back home versus Cleveland, and on the road at Baltimore. That's not a favorable schedule at all. That, that, that is a gauntlet. It is a gauntlet, but imagine if they pull it off. You want to talk about getting hot at the right time? Even even if they do, they're limping into the postseason like they did last year. Are they though? Like imagine if they, imagine if they go into that last stretch and somehow they pull it off health free. There's no there's no injuries, and which you know is super optimistic. But in this scenario, they pull off at least four wins in that six game stretch, and you're walking into the AFC or to the playoffs, AFC North champions. I don't know. I, you want to talk about being hot at the right time. That's a lot of momentum. You just beat a lot of teams that you're probably going to see in the playoffs. Bro, if, if they go like four and two during that stretch, you really got to like how they're playing heading into the postseason. Exactly. You know, with, with, with that being considered, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it all depends on how they finished a regular season because you know, those six games that I just mentioned, those are tough. Those, those are not cupcakes. Those are not walk in the parks, all of those teams are, you know, considerably high talented playoff teams heading mm-hmm. into this year. You know, it, it's, it's not going to be a, an easy stretch no matter what. But I think just looking at the talent the Steelers have, you know, with, you know, I think we can both agree, still one of the best defensive units in the league. I know there's a lot of uh, pressure on Alex Highsmith to replace Bud Dupree's production. I know everybody is kind of wary, um, you know, on Steven Nelson leaving and how that, you know, weakens the Steelers secondary, but, you know, I think regardless, you know, top to bottom, they still have one of the best defenses in the league and go to the offense side of the ball. We're talking about a Steelers team that led the entire league in drops, you know? So let's say they fix that problem, but all of a sudden the offense starts finding its rhythm. You now have a brand new running back who's probably going to help 
in more ways than one on the offense side of the ball. So there, there's a lot to like about the Steelers team in 2021. I'm just not sure they'll be able for an entire 18-game stretch to move forward like they should and kind of catch that momentum heading into the playoffs. I Look, at I agree. I don't disagree. Um, I think it takes a lot for the Steelers to even be considered anywhere close to a Super Bowl team. And yeah. I think it's going to take a lot of – for one, nobody could get hurt. There's no depth yeah. anywhere on this team. No one can get hurt. Nobody at all. One injury happens, one major injury happens, whole season's done. Let me ask you this. Do you think had Bud Dupree and Devin Bush been healthy for that playoff run, do you think anything's different? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. I think that if the defense stays healthy, the Steelers – I don't think – I think a lot stays the same that it did – earlier in the season compared to the end of the season for one, the offense, as much as those RPOs were just Randy Feekner being addicted to RPOs, it it was a way to slow down this team so that the defense didn't have to be on the field all the time. You got guys like Devin Bush and Bud Dupree out there play after play. I mean, you don't got, you don't have to worry about that. You could be out there all the time. So I don't know. I think that, I think that the offense changes. I think that, I think that coming back from a 28 point deficit is a lot different. The changes are, are there's a lot um, better chances in that situation. And let's not forget, and like there was a small window of that game. It like that's what I'm saying. Begin, beginning fourth quarter, like mid fourth quarter, the Steelers were well in that game. Like they yep. sure they got down 28 points, but like they they kind of clawed themselves back, and that that was a, that was a game until the entire end. You know exactly. So you have a good defense at that point. The defense was depleted. You have a good, yeah. strong defense at that point. I mean, if the, if injuries don't happen to the Steelers in 2020, and you just have any faith that the offense could just do anything if everyone was healthy and everything was moving well, then I think the Steelers are a team that probably at least made it to the next round of the playoffs. Do they make it any farther than that? I don't know, but they certainly beat the Browns. I think they compete for an a- for the number one seed in the AFC heading into the postseason if the yep. defense is healthier than it is by week 10, 11. I, I think just for me, one of, one of the big factors is going to be can Big Ben hold himself up mm-hmm. over that, that you know gauntlet of now an 18-week regular season? You know, that, that's including you know, any potential playoff runs as well. You know, we, we look at last year, I know he got off to a pretty solid start, but, you know, he definitely slowed down. Um, you know, was that was that his age coming through? Was that a product of the people around him not mm-hmm. playing well? Because he was playing with a very below average offensive line, a receiving core who couldn't catch a cold, and running back rooms that pretty much consisted of you and I. Yeah, exactly. You know, is, was he a product of all of that? Or, you know, should we really be concerned of Ben – you know, and his health down the stretch of the 2021 season. Exactly. And there's a, there's a bunch of teams or there's a bunch of guys like that. Cam Hayward is a guy who's no stranger to age. Stefan Tuitt hasn't had a health, a full healthy season in a while. Tyson Alulu is a hundred years old. Vince Williams is coming back for one last ride too. Joe Hayden's 32 years old. There's so much age on this team. David DeCastro wasn't healthy all season last year. Juju Smith-Schuster has dealt with his handful of injuries. This is it could get bad. It could get real bad real quick. And I think 18 games is if you're if you are ever going to pick a season to not have any depth anywhere, the the first 18 week season is not the way to go about this. 
I don't know what they could do either. You know, like I don't think that you could even fix that at this point in the offseason. I don't think you could go out and find guys to come in and say, okay, worst case scenario, TJ Watt goes down and we have somebody that isn't Quincy Roche to fill in there. Worst case scenario, Tyson Alulu goes down and, you know, Henry Mondu doesn't have to be the guy playing 45 snaps a game. I don't think there's any way to fix any of that at this point in the spring. Yeah, it, it's tough, but, you know, let's just go back to the original question. Are the Steelers Super Bowl contenders? I, <laughs> it, That's tough, man. You know, on paper they are, but, you know, football isn't played on paper. Yep. Right? You know, are the, they, we, are we, they on paper, though? If you compare them to other teams, I mean, Cleveland's got a lot of depth. Baltimore's got some depth. They're, they're certainly contenders, man. I mean, but I mean, let's, let's talk about Cleveland. Cleveland definitely got better over the course of the offseason. I think it's kind of fair to say they should be the favorites to win the division heading to next year. Baltimore, though, I, I don't think Baltimore got better. I think they lost, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of pieces on the defensive side of the ball, and somehow they upgraded with getting Alejandro Villanueva <laughs> over Orlando Brown, which is still a mystery. But, you know, that's a whole other podcast we can dive into. That would be um, a whole podcast. I got to stop with the Al Villanueva slander because people are getting people are getting mad. Ravens fans love their big Al. Yeah. They love him hey. three months ago. Love their big Al, though. Good for them. Yeah, no, super good for them. And just kind of looking at everything else, I mean, when, when you tell people that the Steelers would finish third in the AFC North, they start to get all routed up. But, you know, when you take a closer look at it, you take a look at how Cleveland got better over the offseason. You know, you take a look at how Baltimore still kind of remained intact offensively. You know, defensively is going to be a whole other question. But, I mean, is it is it crazy to say the Steelers, you know, their their range of what they might do can go from Super Bowl contender to finishing third in the AFC North? No, that that range is actually exactly where they are right now. Yeah. If they they if they start off as hot as they possibly could start off or finish as strong as they could finish, the Steelers are up there with Kansas City. If they come out here and Big Ben isn't what Big Ben was. The defense is nowhere near as good as we expect them to be. And the Najee Harris is not NFL ready, nor is the offensive line. The Steelers are, could easily, easily look at a losing season. That's a real possibility for this team with the hardest schedule in the NFL. So I don't know. I On paper is a big, that's a big word too. It, I don't know what, I guess if you just wrote down every starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they would probably be Super Bowl contenders on paper. If you wrote down everyone behind them, you'd be really nervous about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's where that's where we are right now. And again, I don't think it gets changed. In other news surrounding the Steelers, Troy Polamalu, one of five Steelers that will be enshrined in Canton, Ohio, this summer has selected his Hall of Fame presenter, former Steelers defensive coordinator and Hall of Famer Dick LeBeau. I I think this is perfect. I think everybody else believes it's perfect. And I I think it says something about, you know, Troy has his issues with the Steelers, but he doesn't have his issues with the people who were within the Steelers at the time. And I think that that says a lot about him and the situation that he's been in with them. Yeah, you know, for a guy who is almost looked at as a, a literal saint in the mm-hmm. city of Pittsburgh, like Troy, you know, kind of how he carried himself and what he did for the Steelers, um, seeing him not on the best terms with the organization, it sucks. You know, it, it's not a good feeling at all, you know, especially 
for a guy like Troy's magnitude. Um, but I think you hit the the nail on the head. I think his problems aren't with the people he was around. It was more so just kind of the organization in general, you know, how that all ended with Paul Molo's departure. But I, I think Dick LeBeau is the perfect guy to see him into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, LeBeau, you know, for every bit of Paul Molo's career was there for him. He was, a you know, a, a leader, a coach, a mentor for him. And I think if anybody can kind of give us, you know, the public an insight on how Troy was as a person and as a player, you know, what he was like, you know, what he did, you know, not only on the field, but off the field, it's going to be Dick LeBeau. I mean, mm-hmm. Dick LeBeau is a legend in his own right. You know, he's got his own gold jacket, but I, I think it will be really special, you know, considering the relationship that those two had over the course of his career in Pittsburgh. And yeah, you know, what better guy to kind of, capture Paul Amalu and, you know, what he was as a Steeler than the guy who, you know, coached him for so long. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of cool. You, you look at the Canton, Ohio lineup for the Steelers and you have Donnie Shell and Alan Fanica, Bill Cowher, Troy, and uh, I mean, Bill Nunn was already enshrined, but it, it, obviously he'll be represented. Mm-hmm. Big five right there. And then you go Art Rooney, Heinz Ward, and Dick LeBeau as presenters. That's a Hall of Fame lineup right there. That's insane. You're going to get some oh, stories. Yeah. Those are guys that, like you said, Dick LeBeau is, is the only person that I would trust to give a, a very – to give me the best insight to who Troy Palomalo was as a person and a player. Heinz Ward. I love Heinz Ward and everything Heinz Ward is. And I think that that's perfect for Alan Fanica because I want to know who Alan Fanica was as a leader. Heinz Ward was as big of a leader, if not bigger, as Alan Fanica at times. And then Art Rooney, you can't go, you can't go wrong with Art Rooney at all. His speech will probably be very generic and heartfelt, but it's still Art Rooney. You gotta love it. It's an all-star yeah. lineup for the Steelers. Dude, and, goosebumps, and, man! Uh, goosebumps talking exactly. about it, dude. Just the, the the people in that, you know, that Hall of Fame class, like you said. And, you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big whiskey and cigar guy, but if you can give me the opportunity to sit in the room with whiskey and oh, cigars right. and kind of talk with those guys, easy. 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 I don't even need to say words. I would just sit down. I would just sit down. Donnie's got noises again. We're going to call this one the dog. At least no one's cutting the grass. It is. At least no one's cutting the grass. That was a great time. I think think you're pulling up right now, TBH. To to cut the grass. Well, that is the perfect way to end this week's episode then. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on with us for another episode of All Steelers Talk. Find all of our stuff at allsteelers.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and we will see you next week. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today.